Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents the 31 Days of Horror. Day 4. Kill Switch. This story is credited to the archivist on InvisibleGames.net. In the spring of 1989, the Carvina Corporation released a curious game, whose dissemination among American students that fall was swift and furious, though its popularity was ultimately short-lived. The game was Kill Switch. On the surface, it was a variant on the mystery or horror survival game, a precursor to the Myst and Silent Hill franchises. The narrative showed the complexity for which Carvina was known, though the graphics were monochrome, vague gray, and white shapes against a black background. Slow MIDI versions of Czech folk songs played throughout. Players could choose between two avatars, an invisible demon named Gast, or a visible human woman named Porto. And players were highly liable to restart the game as Porto after the first level, in which it was impossible to gauge jumps or aim. However, Gast was clearly the more powerful character. He had fire breath and a coal steam attack, but as it was above the skill level of most players to keep track of where a fire-breathing, poison-dispensing, invisible imp was on their screen once the fire and steam had run out, Porto became more or less the default. Porto's singular ability was seemingly random growth. She expanded and contracted in size throughout the game. A Kansas engineering grad claimed to have figured out the pattern involved, but for reasons which will become obvious, his work was lost. Porto awakens in the dark with wounds in her elbows, confused. Seeking a way out, she ascends through the level of a coal mine, in which it slowly revealed she was once an employee, and investigating its collapse and behest on all sides by demons similar to Gast, as well as dead foremen, coal golems, and demonic inspectors from the Sovatic Corporation, whose boxy bodies were clothed in red, the only color in the game. The environment, though primitive, becomes genuinely uncanny as play progresses. There are no bosses in any sense. 
Korra must simply move physically through tunnels to reach subsequent levels while her size varies wildly through inner level spaces. The story that emerges through Porto's discovery of magnetic tapes, files, mutilated factory workers who were once her friends, and deciphering an impressively complex code inscribed on a series of iron axes players must collect, this portion of the game was almost laughably complex and defeated many players until Porto881 posted the cipher on a Columbia BBS. Attempts to contact this player have been unsuccessful, and the username is no longer in use on any known service. Is that the foreman, under pressure to increase coal production, began to falsify reports of malfunctions and worker malfeasance in order to excuse low output, which incited a savotic inspection. Officials were dispatched, one for each miner, and an extraordinary story of torture unfolds with fuzzy and indistinct graphics of red-coated men standing over workers, inserting small knives into their joints whenever production slowed. Admittedly, this is not a very subtle critique of Soviet-era industrial tactics. And as the town of Carvina itself was devastated by the departure of coal industry, more than one thesis has interpreted Kill Switch as a political screed. After solving the axe code, Porto finds and assembles a tape recorder. The fires of the earth had risen up in her defense and flowed into the hearts of our decrepit equipment that we used and wakened them to avenge its workers. It is generally assumed that the fires of the earth are demons like ghast coal fumes, gassy bodies inhabiting the old machines. The machines themselves are so big that the graphics elect only show two or three gear teeth or a conveyor belt rather than the entire apparatus. The machines drove the inspectors mad and they disappeared into caverns with their knives, only to emerge to plague Porto, of course. The workers were often crushed and mangled in the onslaught of machines who were neither graceful nor discriminating. Porto herself was knocked into a deep chasm by a grief-stricken engine, and her fluctuating size, if it is real and not imagined, is implied to be the result of poisonous fumes inhaled there. What follows is the most cryptic and intuitive part of the game. There is no logical reason to proceed in the correct way. And again, it was Porto881 who came to the rescue of the fledgling Killswitch community. In the chamber behind the tape record is a great furnace where coal was once rendered into coke. There are no clues as to what she's intended to do in this room. Players attempted nearly everything, from immolating herself to continuing to process coal as if the machines had never risen up. Porto 881 hit upon the solution and posted it to the Columbia boards. If Porto ingests the raw coke, she'll find her body under control, and can go on to fight her way out to the final levels of the mine, which are impassable in her giant state. 
clutching the tape containing this extraordinary story. However, as she crawls through the final tunnel to emerge above ground, the screen goes suddenly white. Killswitch by design deletes itself upon player completion of the game. It is not recoverable by any means. All trace of it is removed from the user's computer. The game cannot be copied. For all intents and purposes, it only exists for those playing it, and then ceases to be entirely. One cannot replay it, unlocking further secrets or narrative pathways. One cannot allow another to play it. And perhaps most importantly, it is impossible to experience the game all the way to the end as both Porto and Ghast. Predictably, player outcry was enormous. Several routes to solve the problem were pursued with no real route to efficacy. The first and most common was to simply buy more copies of the game, but Carvina Corp released only 5,000 copies and refused to press further additions. The following is an excerpt from their May 1990 press release. Killswitch was designed to be a unique playing experience. Like reality, it is unrepeatable, unretrievable, and illogical. One might even say ineffable. Death is final, death is complete. The fates of Porto and her beloved Ghast are as unknowable as our own. It is the desire of the Carvina Corporation that this be so, and we ask our customers to respect that desire. Rest assured, Carvina will continue to provide the highest quality of games to the West, and that Killswitch is merely one among our many wonders. This did not have the intended effect. The word beloved piqued the interest of the committed, even obsessive players as Ghast is not present in any portion of Porto's narrative. A rush to find the remaining copies of the game ensued with the intent of playing as Ghast and discovering the meaning of Carvina's cryptic word. The most popular theory was that Ghast would at some point become the fumes inhaled by Porto, changing her size and beginning her adventure. Some thought this was wishful thinking, and if only Ghast's early levels were passable, one would somehow be able to play as both simultaneously. However, by this time no further copies appeared to be available in retail outlets. Players who had not yet completed the game attempted Ghast's level frequently, but the difficulty of actually playing this enigmatic avatar persisted, and no player ever claimed to have finished the game as Ghast. One by one, the lure of Porto's lost, unearthly world drew them back to her, and one by one, they were compelled towards the finality of the vast white screen. To find any copy usable today is an almost unfathomably rare occurrence. A still shrink-wrapped copy was sold at auction in 2005 for $733,000 to Yamamoto Ryuchi, Tokyo. It is entirely possible that Yamamoto's is the last remaining copy of the game. Knowing this, Yamamoto had intended to open his play to all enthusiasts, filming and uploading his progress. However, to date, 
The only film which has surfaced is a 1 minute and 45 second clip of a haggard Yamamoto at his computer. The Avatar choice screen visible over his right shoulder. Yamamoto is crying. Hello everyone, my name is Danilo Battistini, I'm the producer for the Brazilian audio drama podcast called Contador de Histórias, in English it means storyteller, and I'm part of Fate Crafters Network, so what you're about to hear is a compilation of my audio drama cyberpunk show called Dias Digitais, Castles Hackers, in English, Digital Days, Hackers Hunting. You are more than invited to know more about it on Contador de Histórias. Hope you like it, and see ya! O ano é 2622 e o mundo vive sob o governo da nova ordem mundial. Espero que todos tenham compreendido. Em uma semana, centenas de hackers desaparecerão. Não é o governo? Então quem é o responsável? Você sabe que está por trás. Qual a resposta do governo para o que está acontecendo? Falando em nome do governo, eu posso garantir que não somos nós. Meu Deus, Eco, parece que eles estão... Alguns se calaram. Suas últimas palavras. Foi um prazer trabalhar com você, Echo. Mas ainda existem pessoas em busca da verdade. Me prometeram umas respostas com esse trabalho. As coisas vão mudar, Torre. Era um IP fantasma. Mas que merda! Invasão de sistema detectada. Iniciando protocolos de segurança. Peguem ela! Ninguém vai pegar ninguém, não. Não tem mais pra onde ir, Hacker! Morte confirmada. Echo, sai daí! Engraçado! O Projeto Alma. Mas que lugar é esse? E o jogo começa. Dias Digitais. Caça aos Hackers. Uma série original de audiodrama do podcast Contador de Histórias. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. 
some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object Class Euclid Keter Safe Special Containment Procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.